contact centers, they can be enablers of fraud without even knowing it. And they're also, of course, targets of fraud because the CRM data has the customer information. And when it's misused, it's gold. Welcome back to the CX Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Rose Earhart. On today's show, we have our first ever three-time returning guest, and that is John Arnold. John is principal at J. Arnold and Associates. And in our previous conversations, John taught us all about AI in the contact center. And then again, we learned about a digital-centric approach to agent experience. So John, welcome back to the show. Okay, very good. Thank you, Amelia. So being in Canada, I have to say, if I'm back three times in hockey parlance, that's a hat trick. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to have you back. We've had such great conversations in the past. Today, our big topic is going to be all about telecom fraud. Before we get your perspective there, why don't you remind our listeners a little bit about your background and what you do? Well, sure. So first of all, I'm a real person. I'm not parroting ChatGPT, though, though it's so <laughs> easy to do these days, right? But uh, yeah, no, I'm an independent technology analyst. I've been on that path about 17 years now, so quite a while. And I've been covering primarily communication technologies, first mostly around telephony and unified communications. But since then, it's been a real blur between contact center and unified communications spaces. So I have a foot in both worlds, and now those worlds are very closely aligned. And both of them are being driven by AI in a big way. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts. So I cover it all. You know, when you start, you think, oh, I'm just going to cover one thing. The longer you do it, the more things there are to cover. And you can only do so much, but there's plenty of trend to talk about in this space. And today, yeah, we're going to go maybe a little on the darker side, but it's kind of a reality check on there's a balance of using technology for good and not so good. Absolutely. And I think it's a good time to talk about it because, you know, even myself as a professional, sometimes I'll open up an email and think, oh, this must be legitimate. But these telecom fraud issues have become so pervasive. They're a part of all of our lives. And today, as we get into our conversation, we're going to talk about the contact center environment because it's actually both a target and an enabler of fraud. And you're going to help us better understand that. So to start things off, why don't you explain to our listeners what the basic scenarios for fraud are in this environment? People can be easily fooled. There's a term in the video space called deep fakes. So digital technology is very easy to manipulate. So on that level, it's very easy to impersonate other people. And in the contact center space, which is still mostly voice-based and telephony-based, that's where people can get very, very sophisticated it goes both ways. Contact centers, they can be enablers of fraud without even knowing it. And they're also, of course, targets of fraud because the CRM data has the customer information. And when it's misused, it's gold for the fraudsters. Again, once you get a few pieces of personal information, you can anonymously hide behind a screen and do a lot of awful things. A lot of it is about money. That's the big motivator for this stuff. But people have personal things that they're up against too, especially when you get into identity theft. You can't eradicate all of this stuff. As I said before, you can use this tech for good and not so good. In a lot of areas, the bad guys are just a couple of steps ahead of what we're ready for because we're not primed for it. The one we have to be really careful about is the inbound forms of fraud where the contact center is the actual target of a fraudster when they're calling into the contact center. And it's usually a scenario where they're impersonating a customer. 
For example, they may have stolen somebody's debit card at an ATM machine, or they may have pickpocketed somebody's wallet and they're going to just go to town on this stuff. So once they find out where that customer shops, they're going to go for those brands and then they're going to call in as if they are that customer and they may call in requesting, I need to change my email address. And they'll do some sophisticated kind of social engineering that the agents may not be quite keen enough to pick up on, especially agents will take some time to train and to get savvy on these things. So the rookies, that's where you're most vulnerable. And a good fraudster can spot the newbies a mile away. So they're just going to know, oh, this guy will be an easy mark. Within 30 seconds, I'll have everything I need and I'll be on my way. They're acting, right? They're reading a script because they know that they'll get the right agent eventually to get the information that will get them closer to the account or being able to spend money. But are these fraudulent attempts usually personal or do you find that they're pretty random where they're just trying to get an in with maybe an easy target? They could be personal for generally trying to impersonate a particular person who they've somehow accessed personal information from. They could also be calling into the contact center, not being a particular customer in mind, but they're looking for ways to kind of take advantage of an agent who might be vulnerable to providing information about some things that will allow them to basically scam the contact center. Because what they're trying to do is to say, okay, we know this brand is having a sale or something. And you're trying to act as if I just bought a product and I want to return it and get a credit for it. And so that they'll kind of work their way into a conversation. You're right. They have to be smooth talking, well-trained actors. But you said the magic word, Amelia, script, because that takes us to where the potential solution is. You know, we can talk about forms of fraud all day long because they're endless and they keep proliferating. They always keep changing the game a little bit so you don't quite catch on to them. But the script you said, that word is the important key because certainly the less sophisticated fraudsters will follow the same script every time. Okay. And that's where AI comes into the picture because what AI is really good at is detecting patterns. So if your contact center has been hit before by certain types of fraud, eventually you can use the call records to look for those patterns and say, okay, here are five instances where we were scammed. And isn't it interesting? These guys all said the same script. They talked for about the same amount of time. They used the same cadence, you know, the same tone. Why? Because it works. Right. Okay. So once we pick up on the pattern, now you can flag it. So now you let the agent kind of be taken along the path a little bit. But once you have enough information, they say, nope, checks all the boxes. That's a scam. Now you can coach the agent or take over the call, make sure you're recording it. And within seconds, that guy's going to hang up. Right. Now, next time I hear that this call will be recorded for quality assurance, I'll know that we're fighting fraud, right? Because (laughs) recording those calls, you can see the patterns develop over time. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think they have to record as a matter of course anyways. I think the fraudsters know that. The underlying thing here, Amelia, that makes this so maddening is because it happens on such a wide scale. We've all been victimized. The thing is that these operators who do these are generally offshore. They're overseas somewhere. So they cannot be prosecuted. So when you start getting into the legal side of this, where you have class action lawsuits, and there are stiff penalties that the FCC has on the books that they can enforce when fraudulent activity happens, that can get really costly. But 
you can't go after the callers because they're not in the U.S. jurisdiction. The fraudsters know that. They're safe. So they can do it all day long from whatever you name the country. They're out there. They're doing it and they have impunity. So there's no deterrent to them. The deterrent comes from the companies that they might be impersonating or ripping off unknowingly because it's so easy to say, I'm calling on behalf of Amazon. You're entitled to a refund. In a blink of an eye, you've handed over all of your credit card information and there's no gift card coming. So they're impersonating a contact center. Right. And so if I'm Amazon's contact center, you've just been impersonated. This gets into the territory of brand infringement, which is a whole other legal side to this thing. So I'm going to stop for a minute here and uh, just digest that because it's a lot of stuff that contact center people don't normally think about. Well, right. You're walking such a fine line between wanting to keep the customer happy and do what they want and provide them with the information that's necessary to keep them coming back as a customer. But if you sense on that, if you have that sense that this could be fraudulent, you want to shut it down so quickly because any more information in their hands will just go to future fraud. I mean, I was imagining while you were sharing these stories, the folks in other countries may be contacting call centers. There's a call center contacting a call center, probably an, an operation to work these sorts of schemes because you've got these scenarios you're going to tell us about different specific ways that fraud can appear. And one of them is stealing ID from real customers. You're also going to tell us a little bit about robocalls. And this is such a fascinating topic. So please keep sharing. Well, yeah. So robocalls are like the scourge of everything and everything. First of all, because they're automated. So there's no people involved. And they happen on such a large scale because when you're a telemarketer and you're doing this form of outbound calling, and it's no different than when in a contact center is doing outbound notifications, that they have list numbers that they can buy from all kinds of sources. And this is the shadowy side of things where those sources may not knowingly be providing fraudsters with phone numbers. They may think they're selling them to legitimate players, but there's no way to know until you start seeing patterns out there and saying, uh oh, I just sold 100,000 numbers to a fraudster and now all these people are getting these. They could be robocalls, right? So the robocall thing is the thing that, you know, that number shows up on your screen, unidentified, potentially a scam. And you look at your phone and you say, should I pick it up? Should I not pick it up? And I got one yesterday from a toll-free number. I said, ah, yeah, this has got to be a scam. I still was a little not sure. And I picked it up. It turned out to be from my pharmacy. I was fulfilling a prescription and the pharmaceutical company had to call me to verify it. Mm -hmm. But it's just a toll-free number. And how am I to know? Right. You mentioned that there, one of every 1,700 calls, there's a fraudster on the other side. So we're going to talk about training and the way the agents can be aware of these, you know, learning through the years. I'm excited to hear how we can spot this before it starts. So yeah, there's outbound and there's inbound. So we were just talking there with Robo about outbound that's coming to me. Now let's put ourselves in the supervisor's position or an agent's position in the contact center, right? They don't know who these calls are coming from. The more intelligent contact centers, of course, that are using AI and CRM, et cetera, you will know about when a call comes in, you'll have the customer profile, you'll know their history. And so you generally can hit the ground running with that customer, which is what you want to be doing each and every time. But because they're calling you or they might even be web chatting you, Generally speaking, because we don't use video in the contact center, you can't see them. So you just have to go on their voice to say, I'm this person. Well, generally contact center agents don't have a personal relationship with customers, unless it's like high-end, very concierge type of service. But for the most part, you don't know who you're talking to. 
could even be a man impersonating a woman or vice versa. They just change the tone of their voice. So that's kind of a, an easy way to start that ball rolling when you say how they can be prepared. So there's a human level where they just have to have better training and awareness of cues, what to look for, that kind of thing. And then, of course, there's the technology, which is what the vendors like NICE provide to the marketplace to help manage, mitigate, anticipate, block, whatever you want to call it, to have those checks that maybe are a little faster, more accurate than what an agent can detect on their own. So again, coming back to that newbie, the poorly trained agent, I hate to say it, but it can also be a language issue too. So the fraudster might be speaking in maybe some broken English to kind of maybe make them a little harder to understand. They don't want to make the customer upset. So you can kind of lead them along maybe a little more easily because the agent doesn't know how to respond. And again, with AI, you can have real-time translation. You can pick up cues that way. But the main thing is that the agent just has to have more common sense training to be a little more savvy about what to look for, you know, early signs that this could be fraud. And then, you know, they probably would have like a panic button, you know, tell the supervisor, I'm a little worried about this one. Maybe the supervisor will drop in to listen and coach in the background, like a whisper thing. And then they can kind of pick up something faster than the agent would. And the fraudsters, they will run at a moment's notice. So as soon as they detect their thing isn't going to plan, they're just going to hang up. Right. Because they want the path of least resistance. And if they found an easy target, that's probably a lot easier to work than someone who's going to be challenging. And I was just thinking, you know, implementing this type of technology is so important because if, say, for instance, your company goes through a fraudulent interaction and it ends up resulting in news coverage, this could decrease brand trust. People might shy away and always remember you for that one experience. So how do companies begin implementing or researching the right kind of technology to help out with this and help their agents keep things on track? Yeah, well, the first thing I think, like anything else, you got to acknowledge that the problem is real. I hate to say it, but the bigger your brand, the bigger a target you're going to be. Right. Right. So the way to be thinking about it is to say, okay, whether they're coming in by voice, but especially by voice, it could be by text as well. You have to anticipate that fraudsters, they're going to follow certain paths. So you can train your agents and supervisors to have like typical scenarios. These scenarios all have names because they're so common. They might be stealing, trying to get products or refunds, endless variety of them. So that's a training thing to just be aware. But the technologies from the vendors, the important thing is to say, listen, this is all happening real time. So you first of all, you've got to have real-time tracking capability, which speaks to the need to be in the cloud for starters, because the scale, if you're trying to track every call, you can't do it with premise-based technologies for starters. And secondly, this is, again, as I said before about AI, this is where these newer tools come in because they can capture everything at scale in real time and they can connect the dots just way faster than any agent can. So for example, if someone is calling in impersonating a customer, but you've had conversations previously with that customer, you could use voice biometrics to pair up. This is what this person sounds like, but wait a minute, we have voice print from earlier conversations with this customer and that person doesn't match the profile. So we don't think that person's legit. So you can have these detection moments, right? To say, okay, that's a flag. That's probably fraudulent. You can also, again, I mentioned before about the script. If they're following a certain script, then you're catching it and you say, no, we've heard this 20 times already today. We already know. And they may want to choose to do two things. They want to identify it as fraud right away, cut the call, and the person will just drop and that'll be the end of it. Or they want to string the call along as 
long as they can to keep gathering more information about this caller, right? And so they may start to build a profile of known fraudsters, right? And if they get smart about it, this is where the industry probably needs to be a little more coordinated. They could share it with other brands, and I'm sure they do. But just say this type of scheme, you're seeing it too, we're seeing it too. And then you can start collectively getting a little more intelligence about it to fight it. Because if you don't have it in place, the frauds will just keep continuing. There are very stiff fines out there that can be levied by the FCC for companies that violate these things. It can get really expensive. So there are deterrents there, but the fraudsters keep doing it regardless. They find ways around the system. You think you're doing everything you can, but you're never going to have everything figured out. Yeah. A good vendor keeps innovating on this space. If they get it with fraud, that's usually a good reason to do business with them because it's an ongoing thing. Well, and the agent is the first point of contact for most people, especially for outsiders, right? You're not calling someone deep within. You're finding the agent who is available and there to help you. So they're like the first line of defense. And I think you've provided, gosh, all sorts of interesting information. I could talk to you all day about this, John. So thank you so much for joining us. As we wrap up here, can you tell us how we can get in touch? Maybe read some of your articles and connect with you. Well, sure. Thanks, Amelia. So I'm very easy to find. My website is where you can find everything, jarnoldassociates.com. And if you don't know, I produce a monthly podcast, a monthly newsletter, and I'm regularly on Twitter and LinkedIn. Again, very easy to find at Arnold John for Twitter. But anyways, that stuff's all on the website and lots of examples there of my articles and these types of segments, video segments and podcasts and webinars, lots of stuff there. Wonderful. And John, we must point out, we can do a promo. You are also a musician with videos on that website. So just as a teaser, check those out while you're learning more about John. All right, John. Well, thank you so much. I learned a ton today and gosh, maybe we'll have you on a fourth time, but thank you so much for being on the CX Pulse podcast. All right. Love to do it. Thanks again, Amelia and everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us on the CX Pulse podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. This podcast is brought to you by NICE, the world's leading cloud CX platform. Go to nice.com to learn more about our innovative and comprehensive end-to-end CX solutions. That's nice.com. 